What's up, all you motorcycle enthusiasts? Welcome to another episode of the V-Twin Life, where we talk motorcycles powered by those V-Twins and what fuels our passion and why we enjoy it so much. Also proud to announce this episode of the V-Twin Life is sponsored by that Northwest brand, Crash Inc. Clothing. You can find them on the World Wide Web at CrashInClothing.com and on Instagram at Crash underscore Inc. And for all you guys around that Portland area, you can also head down to Tigard, Oregon, where they got Crash Inc. on the shelves. Pick up some now. Or get online and head over to crashing.com and pick up some clothes. So today we are joined by Mr. Brian Ford on Instagram is bright underscore the underscore biker. That does a lot of YouTube motovlogs and does a lot of product reviews and gets to do a lot of riding and enjoys it. So without further ado, let's get into this and uh, get into this next episode. What's going on, Brian? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, man, thanks for thanks for accepting the invite and coming on. Absolutely, I'm honored to be on. You know the guy that in, enjoys that road glide. Yeah, you know I. Well, I have an ultra actually. Oh, that's so, right. I yeah. forgot. Yeah, I uh, I got sucked into that lifestyle quick. Boy, once you get that bike, you can't go back. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's been an awesome adventure. We've uh, we've really enjoyed it so far. We're going on our second year. We put some mods into it, so yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I've seen that. You also get to do a lot of been doing a lot of product reviews, also, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, well, I've always been a gearhead, and I always think it's kind of neat to try out some new stuff and to you know see how it works. Um, I've I've done a lot of uh, work with Indy Ridge with uh, their gloves and stuff like that. So it's always been fun. Um, it's something that kind of keeps the YouTube channel moving. The uh, travel stuff's a lot of fun to do, but it really doesn't necessarily have the draw that the product reviews do. So it's nice to have a balance. Yeah, I can see that. So actually, one that I've seen that I was pretty interested in when I was going through all your stuff was the... Uh... I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. The Fobo smart monitoring setup. Yes. How'd you like that? That's um, that's pretty cool. They they make some really good stuff. Um, my review hasn't dropped on that yet, but they um, it's really nice to be able to to bring that monitoring system onto the bike rather than uh, you know with the 2014s, it's not even an option. Right. So, and, and the fact that it can send it to your smartphone or to send it to your smartwatch is really kind of cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to admit this on a podcast, but I'm terrible with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got and you ride and you think later, like, did I ever check that? But um, I think anything that's a convenience like that's a huge deal. I could see that because I, I think sometimes I'm that same way. It's like, you know, I might, check the tire pressure in the spring and then I might get kind of neglect it and not check it for a few months. We'll just say. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard too, because you know, you have a touring bike too. If you ride year round, you just, you kind of lose track of time. Yeah. There's no real start of the season at that point. So there's not like the, Oh, you know, you take your bike in and get it checked. I mean, here in New Jersey with heated gear, you can ride year round. So it's, it's a nice feature. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I'm looking forward to dropping that review soon. Yeah, see, I haven't dabbled in the heat of gear quite yet. I, I keep toying with the idea, and a lot of people keep saying, "Dude, trust me, you're gonna you're gonna want to do it because you'll never go back. You'll wish you did it a, a lot sooner." Yeah, it's um, once you get past the expense of it, um, I use the mobile warming gear. I have the pants, the jacket, and the gloves, and that's just it's amazing because you can ride with that jacket underneath your leather jacket or the vest, actually the vest as well. And um, it's pretty weird to be sweating underneath your jacket. <laughs> and then your face, your face is freezing, mind you, but your, uh, your body core stays warm. And it's a lot nicer than having just the heated grips. And I think anything that can extend your riding season is just the way to go. Yeah, my dad did the heated coat, and then he had gloves made that plugged into his coat. And, like, my bike's all wired for it. And the first time... The first time he used it, they got so hot, they literally burned his hands, and he went and got the little thermometer control 
so he could adjust the temperature on the gloves, which then he really liked it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely – I mean, there's, there's a big difference. The ones that I have are dual power, so they can run off a battery or run off of the plugged-in bike. And um, when you plug them in, man, it's no joke. <laughs> it gets hot fast. But uh, it's pretty cool. It would be nice to, like, you know, especially this time of year, I know it's not – you know, we've been in the 40s pretty consistently now for a while. I mean, during the daytime and pretty cool in the evenings where I bet the heated gear would make a huge difference. Yeah, it's kind of like your heated grips, right? Everyone thinks that your heated grips are only meant for the wintertime, but I find I'm using them in the spring and the fall a lot. You know, just when you want to just kind of relax your hands a little bit, get some of the tension out of them. That's like I said, or even summertime, I mean, some guys might take off early in the morning. And I mean, it's not exactly that it's cold, but that little bit of heat, especially in your hands, you get the... You know, the can't think of the word I'm thinking about the exterior parts of your body. Keeping them warm is nice. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is that I think with um, that people don't think about it is with your hands. I mean, that's it. Right. You, your feet generally aren't going to get as cold. But if you lose dexterity in your hands, you're done. And, you know, the word I can't ride with those huge like uh, oven mitten gloves on for the winter. So the heated gear is a really nice combination of the two. Yeah, I can believe that. That's for sure. So what year is your current, your electric glide? So I have a 2014. Nice. And I've had some, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I've done some work to it, uh, no engine work, but some mods to it. And uh, it's been a great touring platform. It was, it's been my first Harley and I've, I was really impressed. It lived up to the hype. How long have you been riding motorcycles roughly all together? About nine years. So I started, um, I started, yeah, I started about nine years ago. And just critical. What was, what got you into it? What was that little piece that you said, hey, I want to try this? You know, I was, I went through a divorce. Um, I went through a failed engagement. I was in a weird place in my life, and it was something I always wanted to do. And it was kind of, I was kind of looking for something to get me out of that funk. And, I just took the plunge. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm an only child. So I think sometimes I'm a little hard headed, you know, I've got a bike and I just started riding and I took the manufacturer or the motorcycle safety course. And, uh, I was hooked. I mean, it's just, there's nothing like it. I, I really wish I would have not walked out, you know, of a dealership at 20 without a bike. I wish I would have done it sooner, but it's just been fantastic. Yeah, it's like one of those hashtags that I like to use, that throttle therapy. It's, oh, there's, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. I mean, that's kind of one of the platforms I've tried to push on my channel is mental health. And it's amazing how many people that ride for that wind therapy. You, know, you could ride four or five miles to work, and it's still a great day. You know, you don't necessarily need to put down a 1,000 miles in a day, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that it's... It's amazing what the motorcycle can really do for you if you uh, if you embrace the lifestyle. That's true. I mean, I, <clears throat> I used to do that a lot in my old job. I mean, it was like a six-mile commute, and I'd ride my motorcycle to work a lot. The, I think the hardest part was about a mile from work, I'd have the option where I could take a left-hand <laughs> turn and, and, you know, and head out to the coast. And that part was always <clears throat> tempting, you know, it's kind of. I always wanted to make that turn, but eh, I got to go straight and go to work. Yeah, I had a lot of days when I was doing that. I'd, I'd wind up going home the, the long way, and 100 miles later, I was home. You know, But that's that's the joy, right? It's the left turn, right turn. That's the whole adventure. This is true. Absolutely. It's like you said. I mean, a guy doesn't have to go do 100 miles. You know, he can go take 10 minutes or 10 miles. Just you know, hit a few back roads and clear your head and just enjoy yourself. And I think that that's the thing that we, we kind of lose um, focus of, you know, it's kind of easy to knock on the guys, you know, with smaller bikes, you know, there's always that bravado of, Oh, well, I rode to Pittsburgh for lunch last week, but the, I think it's hard. It's sometimes very easy to forget that we all get the same experience out of it. You know, that 10 miles is just as therapeutic to somebody that maybe the two or 300 miles is. Yeah, I mean, it, everybody's, you know, schedule's different, and yeah, it's it's very true. You it doesn't have to be an all-day thing just to go enjoy yourself for a few. It, 10 miles, 10 hours, 100 miles, 1,000 miles, it's it's all, all about just yep. enjoying yourself. It's and, all the same wind, you know, there, there's no, and even the bike that you ride, I mean, I, I know that 
Harley riders. <laughs> There's the 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 uh, stereotypical aura of Harley riders, but you know, if you ride, you ride, and I I can't encourage enough people to do it. Exactly, and that's you know one thing I that I pondered with for a while when I wanted to start this whole podcast was the name, you know, something different. And when I finally settled on the V twin life, it was everybody makes V twins, you know, the V twin can cover such a wide spectrum of the industry. I thought, Hey, shoot, this is great. I mean, you know, Yamaha's got twins, Honda Suzuki, you know, I mean, shoot Moto Guzzi, they they go sideways, but you know, they, they got it. And it would just, it covered every. Everybody in such a large spectrum of the industry, I thought, hey, shoot, this would be great. You know, this is the way I want to go for it. And I like it. So what got you, what got you motivated to do the podcast? I mean, what was, what was sort of your vision for it? Because, I mean, you've had some really great episodes so far. Thank you. Well, for me, I mean, uh, there's a lot of motorcycle podcasts, but then there's a lot of them don't so much, you know, um, interest me. I mean, there's sometimes, you know, I might want to listen to a gear review or, you know, maybe some important part of motorcycling generally. You know, there's been some great – one that I really enjoy is a Law-Abiding Biker with, by uh, Ryan Erlacher. He's fantastic. I, I love his platform. I mean, his movies, you know, his YouTube stuff he does is great. And I like listening to a lot of his documentary-type style podcasts. Sometimes, you know, the gear review stuff, I just – it doesn't interest me. And I've also, you know, been a guy for a long time that I enjoy reading motorcycle publications. I like rider magazine and I really enjoy Roadrunner for the, the aspect that I love to read and, or watch and listen to uh, travel stories about guys traveling. You know, you can learn some of the little areas that you want to know about unless you got off the beaten path, off those main highways and in those back roads. And that's the stuff that I really enjoyed. And I thought, you know what, if I can, try to preserve some of those stories like, you know, nowadays in in the digital format, people could go back and listen to it. They might remember an episode. Hey, you know, he did one with, you know, with Brian, that guy, they talked about some great places to go visit and then go back to it. And see, for me, and that's what I enjoyed is hearing those stories or guys travel somewhere and they might find a great little restaurant or this cool little place to stay the night at and visit because they had some great scenery around the town. And, I love hearing travel stories. I love talking about traveling on motorcycles. And for me, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I enjoy so much is traveling on two wheels. You know, and that's, I think when we spoke on the phone the other day, that's the thing that I find so interesting is that if you go into like Philly's the nearest town by me, you know, everyone wants to get a cheesesteak, see the Liberty Bell, but nobody, the locals are going to know the places that give you the true experience. And I find that the motorcycle brings that out for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but it but it definitely seems to bring that out in people. It, it it's cool. That's great that you're doing that. I, I I think it's great that you're bringing such a range of people on too. And that's what you know. You know, I'm trying to do. It's not so much. Also, I mean, I, you know, I think I'm on episode thirteen, fourteen altogether. Some haven't published yet. You know, I've been able. I had like a Jenny. She's a works at, at Northwest Harley Davidson. You know, I'm lining up a few more also female riders because that female demographic is also growing so much in motorcycles that I'm trying to also, you know, I've been reaching out to other female riders because it's not just guys that ride. I mean, there is kind of that stereotype of it's a male uh, kind of dominated industry Mm -hmm. in a way, but it's not, there are a lot of women, I mean, sales managers, women, salespeople, you know, women that are working parts departments and do they enjoy riding just as much as guys do, but the, they don't see it as much or people don't. And I want to hear their stories. I mean, it's not just, you know, the man's world. And and that's what's going to save out. the industry. I mean, that really is what needs to happen. I mean, yeah, you look at some of these, you know, there's a lot of uh, female moto vloggers, you know, on YouTube mm-hmm. and channels are getting huge and, you know, same with social media and it's awesome. I love seeing it. It's, you know, when I, you look at it, it's not just a brotherhood. I mean, there's that sisterhood. I mean, you got, you know, one that I know, no, personally, off the top of my tongue, like the Lita's, the all mm-hmm. women's motorcycle club. And they're, I do believe, international now. They're worldwide. Yeah, they're no joke. Which is awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's really nice to see that it's getting uh, away from just a, a male-dominated, uh, if you want to call it sport, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Jenny had done her homework, and she had some of the, you know, the numbers and the statistics and percentages of how much has grown just in the last couple of years. And 
it is really taken off and it's great. I love it. Yeah. It's really nice to see. And I know that um, like brands like Harley and stuff are struggling with that. And that's the market that I really hope they go for. Cause I think that that's a really untapped market. Yeah. Could be. So now with your uh, YouTube channel, what's your, what kind of camera setups are you running? Like, I mean, I know you obviously you run multiple ones, but so I have, uh, <laughs> wow. Talk about going down the rabbit hole. Um, so I've got quite the, quite the diversity so far going. So my newest camera is a GoPro hero nine uh, with a media mod that's made of the first couple. It's, it's been in a few videos. I haven't used it. Um, a lot. I recently just picked it up. I use, um, two hero GoPro hero sevens as well. And one of them I use on a karma, uh, gimbal that my wife, uh, shoots from the back of the bike on that gives it a really unique perspective. And then all my review work, my, what I call talking head stuff, studio still work or installs. I use a uh, Canon M50, uh, mirrorless camera. Yeah. I'm, I'm wanting to get more. I've, you know, only done one small video that I put on YouTube, but I only have one you know, one GoPro, but I'd like to try to do some more stuff in springtime, but I know having at least one more for another perspective or angle view would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I think that it's, I think that it's good, but I also think that it adds to more complexity. I was out shooting with somebody the other day, uh, a fellow moto blogger that I had a chance to meet and I was having an issue getting the cameras in sync and then it sort of becomes work. So I think that there's a, there's a level of it where sometimes it gets a little too complicated. You know, it's great that you can do a lot of diversity with it and you can do some really cool stuff, but it, then it starts to become in a production and you're getting away from riding. So you have to really find that balance. But from the flip yeah, side, it's so that. cool to be able to document some of your experiences to, to your point. Like it's cool that my kids get to watch it and go, Hey, that's really cool. You know, or my friends see it or family, or even, you know, a year or two down the road, you look back on it. Yeah, and like one guy had a uh, Matt Swedlin. He had one. He had, I think, came off like a rick rack mount and would go out up in front of him and probably hang up in the air, say two feet, two and a half feet, which gave a great perspective of the guys behind him too. And I thought it was a really cool view, also. Besides, you know, the helmet camera or mounted on his fairing, but having that view, looking at you know the guys behind him, right too was a pretty good angle that I really like. Yeah, a lot of people were using those um, 360 cameras with the with the stands and putting them up on the bike. I haven't delved into that yet, but the view is definitely unique. And that's, that's I think, what really separates good content from, from normal content is somebody that's doing something different. Yeah, and his he didn't have the 360. It, it was, you know, I think a, a Hero 7 or 8. But he's done some great – I mean, he, he has some great stuff on YouTube. He's gone down through – like Patagonia with his dad, him and his dad have been to the Alps or the Alps, the Alps <laughs> down through South Africa. And, you know, him and his, you know, his brothers, they've gone through the Midwest and out hitting the East coast or not East coast, the West coast through like the Redwoods. And he's done some great film work. You know, he's got some great, you know, seven to 10 minute YouTube videos, which they're not too long, but they're just long. It really keeps you interested because he's, you know, hit some of those great areas and scenic places like a lot through Utah and Colorado and, I've been, you know, looking at his kind of, his setup. And actually, it's not that it's simple, but it's not overdone. I really kind of like yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the balance of, there's some really great creators out there. They're just, you know, it, you, they're they're doing something that's different. It's not just the normal video where they're vlogging. And I think that that's really cool. It's It's neat to see what people are able to do. Yeah, I'd like to dive into it, but then in a way it's like a... <laughs> afraid of the failure that put all this effort and then no one's going to want to watch it. You kind of get nervous about that or it's just making yourself take that plunge into the, the next level of what do you want to do or, you know, what are you trying? Yeah. To do? And that's hard too, because right. Everybody's you're hard on yourself and you want to create, but I think that there's, um, I think everybody has an opportunity to create something unique and, you know, YouTube being what it is, it's kind of all over the place right now. I, I think a lot of people just have YouTube burnout. <laughs> We've been stuck inside for six, seven months now, and everybody's just kind of sick of watching YouTube. But or sometimes it's like for me, it's like you get this great idea in your head, and you just like you just 
can't get it, you know, on paper, mm-hmm. so to speak, to the way that that you want. You just get frustrated in yourself. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's like anything. You have to you have to make sure that it's not taking away from the experience. Um, I think documenting your adventures is great, but there's that sort of that balance where sometimes you're taking away from being in the here and now, which is the whole reason you ride in the first place. Yeah. Or, you know, like what Matt said is, I think he did, you know, he, he made the statement, he goes, it's not so much that he's documenting these for others as it was so much that he's documenting it for the memories to come back and watch himself, which is another great point to, to what he's doing. You know, it's not so much, like you said, it's not for everybody. He goes, this is stuff I want to be able to remember, like the trips with his dad. And yeah. I thought that was a very, you know, valuable piece. And of I advice. think that it becomes more genuine. If you're enjoying it and you're not going through the motions, then that experience becomes genuine versus trying to, to become a brand rep or, or to, to put out content for the sake of, you know, some sort of monetary gain. Yeah, true. Or, you know, and that comes down to the same point, I guess, is, is taking pictures to be able to have even just to look back. And sometimes I, I get guilty of that because I, I just want to ride and I never want to stop. And then, you know, after a couple day trip, you think, oh, hey, let me, you know, see what pictures I got. And you have like four. And you're like, well, that was great. <laughs> we, uh, and I find myself doing that far too yeah, often. Yeah. And, and, but it, but it's, it's a hard, it's a hard mindset to get into because it's all about balance. I mean, we took, 13 days on the road uh, in September and there were days where we just didn't film or shoot anything. You know, there were days when, you know, it rained and we sat in the hotel and just ate our faces off and that's okay. You know, it's, I guess it's hard, you know, you have to find what works for you. Yeah. And just not be so prevalent on just riding where, you know, you gotta, you gotta enjoy it too. And I think, you know, I get that point sometimes, like I just want to ride. Like the only time it's like I stop is I got to pee or I need to get gas. And I know for me, it's like, you gotta, gotta find that balance. You gotta be able to, I mean, not that I'm not enjoying myself, but sometimes I guess, uh, you know, with others is you gotta take, you know, other people into consideration and enjoy it more than just, on the yeah, but and I think that it's different. You know, there's days when that's all I want to do. I just want to hammer, you know, and put miles down. And then there's days where you kind of, you kind of want to get off a look around. And yeah, it's hard. That's the one thing that is good about filming is it does slow you down a bit. So sometimes it it helps you kind of think about the experience more than just kind of grinding out the, the you know the miles. Yeah, especially I've noticed that with GoPros is uh, battery life is horrible. Yeah, the nine's gotten better, but it's still um, it's still tough. And then and again, and then in the back of your mind, you're kind of worrying about you know what's going on with that. So it kind of it does take away from it. Um, but it's like anything. I mean, I think that from a I think it from a creative tool, the GoPro is just fantastic because it's so small. You know, you can you can video anywhere with it and it doesn't draw attention to itself, which is kind of nice. That's a very true point. It is, it is small and compact and it's quality is freaking impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like with any tool, it's why the phones, you don't notice people with their phones out taking pictures anymore. It just sort of blends in because you're so used to it, but you bring out, you know, a bigger camera and it starts to draw attention to itself. And I give those creators a lot of credit that are walking around with this like full video, big rig set up, but I, that's too much attention. <laughs> that's just not me. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Sometimes it's like, you know, I want to do some small, small stuff and I get nervous people thinking, you know, if I'm just trying to use my phone, it's like, I get too self-conscious. Yeah. yeah it's definitely, um, you have to be in the mindset of it. I'm still learning. That's why I don't, I being on camera still kind of weirds me out. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. But speaking of which now, you know, you talk about being on the road for so long. How long have you had your Rick? So rack? I've had my Rick rack since we left for that trip. Um, we actually spoke to God. I hope I have his name right. Sean. I think it should, there's, Two of the people from Rick Rack. That's actually, we got a steal on that. That was actually a blemished unit. And we picked it up right before, we picked it up, I guess, about two months before our trip. So let's say midsummer. 
And I, I can't speak enough of that thing. That thing is fantastic. It, um, it's just simple to use. And, you know, once you, you move, we, we packed so much stuff on that bike for 13 days. It was great. Um, I've been looking at those cause something nice. I mean, I've watched plenty of, you know, plenty of reviews like with law abiding bike or all those guys are running them. They just look so handy. How clips on the luggage rack and you're, you know, it's on in seconds and you're good to go. And it just adds so much storage room. And for, you know, multi-day trips, I think it'd be. Yeah. Be I know awesome. a lot of guys that have them and, um, I liked it from the, from the standpoint that you could roll up into a hotel and you pull the, the two pannier bags out, the two saddlebags. We have the, um, the inserts, whatever they call them that make them like luggage. See you. Yeah. I love those. You I pop got them out. Too. You pop out the, uh, the, you pop the rickrack off, you throw it on the cart in the hotel and you're good to go. I mean, obviously you're going to still have stuff in your tour pack, but you could even get the bag for the tour pack and it makes it nicer too, because one of the things that I found when we were on the road that long is that you need to have all that stuff with you. But realistically, you know, especially if you're only staying in a hotel one night or two nights, you don't need to fully unpack. So it made it nice that it wasn't the grind of every day having to repack because that gets, you know, that just gets troublesome. I can see that because, yeah, I had the, the saddlebag liners and I don't remember the brand, but what I like to mine is on top of each one, there's two big square zipper pockets. Like, you know, you can put your hygiene stuff, soap, shampoos, toothpaste, all those stuff in those little pockets. They zip shut and they're super handy. And I thought about the Rick Rack bags. You know, if you're going that long, I don't run the liner in my tour pack because I kind of <clears> use that as, you know, daily stuff that I'm, you know, taking in and out whether I got my you know, water bottles in there, my hydro flask or pull somewhere. I'll throw my mm-hmm. helmet, and my coat. It seems, you know, I use that as more or less my, my daily assets bag and don't really get into the saddlebag so much when I'm traveling. Cause I just keep my clothes or, you know, wife stuff, whatever we have in the liner bags and the tour pack just becomes that quick access throwing stuff in. But I would love to look at one of those Rick racks just for the simplicity of how easy they are to put on and off. And like I said, be on the wheel, man. Plus, it's got the full rain cover on the top. And I mean, I, I would, I don't know what the actual storage is of it, but when you put up the, when you pop the top up, you get an extra, I want to say four or five inches of storage, vertical storage. Plus, oh, then wow. you're getting, you know, obviously the whole width of it. But um, I loved it. I mean, we, we, we had that thing stacked with stuff. And it, it's really nice with the Ultra 2 having that tour pack because, um, you know, you have power in there so you can charge the phones or charge the cameras. And then we just generally put the production camera equipment in there so you can get to it quickly without having to, uh, you know, dig through the saddlebags. Yeah. And I do that. I put the little USB adapters in there. So I have power in mind for plugging in. Plus I have a big, I think it's a 26,000 milliamp power charger, you know, a portable one that I keep that I can plug in multiple devices and charge them and you see a lot of people running those chop razor packs and some of them look neat but i just think for me i just don't think that would work for for me because i like having that extra storage i mean i use the heck out of my tour pack all the time i mean whether i'm literally going to the grocery store and piling groceries in it or on a trip or, you know i take my coat off i can stuff it in there and you know like i keep uh a couple stuff sacks in my little pockets in the tour pack, which just came in handy. Like me and the wife went on a, a weekend trip and ended up coming home with, of course, way more stuff than <laughs> we brought with way. us. And so, you know, having those stuff sacks, we put everything we bought there that I keep a, one of those little motorcycle bungee cargo nets. So put everything on the luggage rack and then just put the, the little bungee net over the top of it. And, you know, Hey, we go home and those stuff sacks come in handy, but yeah, having a Rick rack that could, also be super handy, but I'm afraid then, you know, I'd probably pack more stuff for my wife and think, Hey, more room. I can bring more stuff. <laughs> it's, def- it's definitely a trade-off, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're a quality product. And I have the, uh, I have the GoPro camera mount for my fairing too, which is pretty cool because you can put the GoPro up, you hit record, you don't have to worry about it. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. That's they make true. a lower uh, fairing I've been at uh, fork mount too, which is pretty cool. I haven't got one yet, but it puts it right above the, uh, or puts it in line with the front fender, which I think is a unique view. 
Yeah, I have the crash bar mount. I can put one on my crash bar, but I've been looking at the mount that would you pull one of the screws out of the windshield and you can mount a GoPro right up on the fairing. Yeah, the it's, it's a pretty cool perspective because it gets the uh, yeah it, it gets it gets the lean of the bike more because if you put it on your helmet, you don't generally pick that up. I mean, you probably would on a sport bike more, but you know, with with the bigger touring bikes, you you don't seem to be leaning as much that has that dramatic effect. Where the fairing, with it being on the fairing, because it's not compensating for your head adjusting, it's got that much more lean angle. It's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> How long have you been doing the, you know, like moto vlogging and playing dabbling? Um, probably for about a year. I wasn't real serious um, until this year. I just kind of played with it. Um, my full time job, I do uh, video production for uh, a food broker. So, I kind of got into it as a way to learn editing. I had to come up to speed pretty quick when I switched roles. So I looked at it that if I knew if I had a GoPro, I'd go out and have something to film on the bike and it would be something that interested me. I knew, you know, there was always, even if I left the GoPro on with another, no intent other than to just have footage to edit. And um, that just became a really great tool to sort of learn on. And then um, I guess it was the beginning, probably the beginning of the lockdown COVID time. I started shooting a lot more and that really just became a. Uh, what, what, um, what editing software do you like to use? Or is your um, I you use Premiere like? Pro. That's, um, that's sort of our company standard for video editing. I started with iMovie. I'm a big Mac guy. I moved to Premiere Pro and that just, that was going down a rabbit hole. And that's kind of the reason I started the channel is because I really wanted to learn, but there was so much complexity. Um, just even getting the audio right for the motorcycle is really difficult, but the, uh, I, I use Premiere Pro. It's not, uh, it's not a cheap tool, but I'm also not paying for it. <laughs> I don't mean that to sound snobbish. It's just the tool that I had for work. And I needed to learn. Yeah. Hey, why not? And, if you um, can, you know, I work from home. So all my production gears at the house, so I can, you know, kind of spend it on my spare time. I can, I can do my side projects. So I'm very fortunate for that, but I used, I used the whole uh, Adobe creative cloud suite and uh, I like it. I mean, I'm sure there's other things out there that are better um, for certain aspects of things. I know a lot of people use like Filmora, People use, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but like iMovie and other products, but I really think it's just what works for you. Yeah. See, that's my problem is I'm not super tech savvy in that, in those areas. And, you know, the, the few stuff I've done with, I mean, I've used iMovie because I do it on my iPhone and some of those just look so intimidating and I'm just, I'm not familiar with it at all. It's like, man, I just, I don't know if I could go down that. Oh, I'd probably get so frustrated. I'd want to throw my laptop through a window. No, I think it's like anything too. You have to, the one thing that I find is hard with YouTube is there's so many content creators out there and there's so many really good content creators. You kind of can't look at it. I find it very hard to look at other people's work and then look at my own. I think when you're starting out, and I still consider myself in that starting out phase. It, it's sometimes you're better off not really watching it too hardly because you know you you watch some of the production and you're like, damn, I wish I could figure that out. And it's uh, well, it's like they say, you know, I I've, I've done the same. You watch so many people, but everybody starts basically at, at around that same area. I mean, you're not gonna be making the best content ever when you're just getting into it. And like anything they say, you know, it takes time. I mean, sure. A lot of guys might, like you say, start with iMovie and then they might go up to, you know, to premiere pro to Adobe. I know there's one other one too. I was just watching some stuff on the other night, but everybody's got to learn somewhere. And it's just trying to convince yourself that it's the same thing. Cause I think we all get those ideas in our head that you want to create the best stuff you can, but you're still, I mean, you know, like me, I know I'm at the very bottom learning stage of doing any of this and I got a lot to learn, but you know, I'll, I'll slowly try and maybe someday well, I'll, and I'll the get thing there. That I think is good with the motorcycle community, especially the YouTube community. There's very few people that won't help. You know, there's very few people that won't share with you um, what their setup is or how they do it. Um, so for that's the one nice thing I think with just the motorcycle community in general is there's no shortage of people that are trying to help. 
Well, I've seen some of them. Like uh, one guy that I like to follow. You ever mm-hmm. see uh, Scooter Tramp Scotty? All yeah. done with his phone. And, you know, stuff like that. It, it can be very encouraging. I mean, not that I'm, I want to do it all on my phone, but I mean, you know, I got the iPhone 11 Pro Max. It, I mean, iPhones have, well, not just iPhones. I mean, smartphones in the last 10 years have came night and day from back in the day. I mean, the cameras are phenomenal. I mean, you know, a guy could really do it with one GoPro in his phone and, you know, you split it up and it might take you some time, but you still can, you know, you see it. The guys put out some great content with, very and that's the equipment. thing that I found too, that we have, um, I have like full production video cameras for work. I mean, they're the, on the lower end of that, you know, they're not the monsters cameras you see, but my, my M50 Canon can do phenomenal work that I would argue it's easier to use in the moment for doing production work because it just works. It's simple. And sometimes, it, you know, yeah, and, yeah and, you know, I mean, there, are, there is certainly a need for higher end equipment to do certain things. But I, but I think that content's king, right? Some, I came from a photojournalism background. Um, I was a professional sports photographer slash uh, news photographer when I was younger. And some of the best, you know, documented pieces of history aren't done with the best equipment. <laughs> you know, if you look at anybody that's won a Pulitzer Prize, most of those images aren't stellar. You know what I mean? You could look at it and you could pick it apart for days, but it, it, it's it's the content is what Just changed. having that A camera or something in that moment, whether, like I say, whether, you know, a simple point and shoot camera that you just happen to catch a, literally a moment in history. And- I mean, Twitter Twitter came to its knees when they landed uh when that plane was landed on the hudson the uh uh, forget what that flight was called the miracle on the hudson but that picture that was put up was taken with a blackberry Mm -hmm. and it 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 broke twitter it literally broke twitter because people were going out to see it because this is when that was still new but it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing what um and my, I've, I've been watching The Long Way Up. I finally finished it. And if you look at The Long Way Around, the production quality is terrible when you look at it compared to, to The Long Way Up. But the story is just as compelling. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, the, you can see because that was, what, yeah. 15-ish years ago for The Long Way Around. But it is. It's, it's the story that is selling that. And I, I really liked that series. That one was good. I the long way up was pretty good. I mean, I could see it definitely challenging being as doing it on the live wires. I know for me, I, I don't think I would ever have you ever written on a live wire. No, it's, I have not yet. <laughs> it's an experience. It's I've heard that from a few people that they have written them just crazy. I, um, I have a video up too. on my channel. It's one of my first videos. I only wish I would have had a mic. Because the fact that I was screaming like a schoolgirl the whole time would probably have been worth it. Because you just crack that <laughs> throttle and it's just, there's no perception of speed. It just, it just launches itself. It, it's, it's a really great technology. I don't know that, you know, you, you, for its price point right now, I think it's, it's ahead of the curve um, as far as adoption. But uh, it's definitely unique. It's definitely a unique vehicle. Yeah, I've heard that. It just, I think for maybe, around town type of vehicle. I think it could be great in cities, but as you know, right now, I think for somebody that wants to travel or doing any type of touring for my style. Oh, no. I mean, even on the test ride, by the time you're done the test ride, you're like, all right, my palms are hurting because I'm so forward, but it's, um, it's kind of neat, right? It's technology is always kind of neat to see in the beginning. And you wonder, well, what could this become? You know? And then, the internet's yeah, that way. Very true. No one would have thought the internet would have changed our lives the way it did. Yeah. I, I'm more the, I mean, I wouldn't mind some sort of, you know, maybe down the road, a, a day cruiser type of bike, but you know, I, I love my bagger. I love, I love the touring side of it. And, you know, I, I love being able to, to pack it up and be able to take those adventures where as a live wire, you, it's like, okay, I can go this far. But uh, it's really interesting too. With once you go to a, a full touring platform, you can you can look at a map, and the only limitation is you. It's it's, it's really crazy, yeah. especially with all the aftermod options that are available 
for the bike that we've put on. It just, it just becomes, you know, we went to, we went to lunch in Pittsburgh. It's my wife's favorite story of riding. And we went to lunch and came back. It was 730 miles. And the next day we went out riding. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing yeah. what you can really do with a bike that big. So, okay, here's another question for you. Like you said in September, you did that, you know, a 13-day ride. How much time did you spend just roughly planning into that out, looking at maps, or did you ever go deep into planning, like, you know, checking your mileage, where's, you know, gas points, am I be sure that I can get here, or how much time do you spend really We spent a few months, like but a lot of it was more about where we wanted to go. Um, the one thing that I find, at least with highway touring, or most of it, at least that's when we're throwing down miles, the gas thing really doesn't become a concern because I think we were stopping for gas at around 200 miles. So we, I, I don't think we've ever, well, I take that back. We did almost miss a gas stop and run out of gas, but that is because I'm a knucklehead. But <laughs> when that low light fuel cage comes on, they really mean that. Um, <laughs> yeah, trust me. I found that but, out this um, summer too. No, we were really just trying to plan where we wanted to go and then just sort of freeballed it from there. We did, we did try and plan the hotels, though, um, trying to make sure that the one thing I found on the bike is if you're riding all day, it's generally better to find somewhere, you know, you can walk to dinner or things like that rather than, you know, having to get back on the bike. Um, but we, we spent eh, probably – we spent a good few months just in buying gear. You know, we bought the Rick Rack. We bought our rain gear. We bought um, – oh, gosh, I don't even want to think about all the stuff we bought. But we, you know, we bought, um, <laughs> gosh, what else did we get? Uh, we got, you know, all the stuff. So I never had, um, oh, I'm just drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Uh, chaps, things like that. You know, I wanted to get my new gloves um, that I was lucky enough to be able to test on that ride and break in. And um, there was just a lot of, that was really the biggest planning, you know, was storage. Did we have all the gear that we needed as far as like rain gear? Um, our comm systems, things like that. What do you use for your comm system? Because that's something I'm, I think I got to narrow down to which one so I want to get. Run, what do you run? Sorry, I need a sip water. I, t- I run the JNM wired headsets for the uh, Harley unit to plug in. I love them. I can't, I have the 801 Elite. Oh, okay. I can't say enough about them. But that's because generally when we ride, it's only us. Like we ride, I can talk to my wife. We've never had an issue with communication for that. Um, we did try out the Cardo system, the Cardo Pack Bold on the trip. Now, after the trip, I found out that they probably would have worked better for me in my current configuration with using the phone for navigation. But when you use the bike for navigation, it's very difficult. So I, we went we went back to the wired ones mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, having I like having the the navigation, you know, and being able. I mean, it's one thing to have you know Siri yelling and you're telling you take a turn here, but sometimes it's also nice to be able to look at that map and see you know your little blue dots. Like okay, it's the next road. I'm not turning on this one. I got to go one more block or so to speak. Is <laughs> yeah, it's hard very too, nice. because some of the navigation systems don't give you enough warning. Like I find with the bike, I'd want more. I'd I'd want a bigger heads up than in the car. Uh, as far as um, the next nav point, but yeah, I, I you definitely need to see it. I've tried to do it just by ear. It's very difficult. Yeah, sometimes I think it seems weird, but sometimes I like using Apple Maps more if I'm in my car or my truck. But I prefer Google Maps yeah. when I'm on the motorcycle. Why? I I'm not sure, but it just seems. It's just one of those things that seems to just work better for me on the bike. And why that is, I'm really not totally sure, but I'm just, I'm more comfortable. And I think maybe I've just used Apple Maps more because I was, you know, an Android guy for so long before switching over to the dark side a while back. And I just. Yeah. I think it's it's like anything. It's just what works for you. I know people that love Waze. I've never really messed with it. Um, because I know Apple Maps in the beginning was terrible. I think now that they've aged a bit, it's gotten better. But, you know, I don't think there's any wrong answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I like that, you know, yes. being able to set up the waypoints. 
like when I, I did my big trip for my 1K back in August, I'd set it all up on my laptop. Probably one of the very few times I've actually ever even used it because I don't ever touch the computers. I just, I do so much on my phone anymore like everybody else. But you can go like on Google Maps on the laptop. I'd set up all my waypoints that I wanted to make sure, you know, because I needed that thousand mile mark. So I'd, you know, set it up at a specific gas station in Missoula, Montana. Then I had, you know, all my gas stops kind of basically plugged in. And then I just send that link, text it to my phone. And when I would, took off that morning at O'Dark 30 here in Port Angeles, I said it and away we went. And, you know, I never had to mess with my maps again. Yeah, the, that, the that part was nice. It's really nice when you can, you can kind of plan ahead. Um, that's the one thing I found when we traveled. Like I'd put a lot of key points in of places we wanted to hit. So if we stopped somewhere, you know, it was already available in the contacts. Which is now? How long did it take you to do your thousand miles? Yeah, uh, I did mine in Damn. eighteen hours four minutes, and that was with essentially I lost an hour because I headed east and went to the next time zone. So I did a one thousand fourteen miles wow. in eighteen hours four minutes. I left Port Andos, Washington at three thirty in the morning. I crossed Washington, crossed the Panhandle, Idaho, into Montana to Missoula. And then I headed southwest up over the Bitterroot Mountains, up what's called Lolo Pass, which is absolutely beautiful. And then back down into Idaho, and then I headed to southern Idaho, just outside Boise to a town called Kuna, where my my brother from another mother lives there and stayed with him. It was an absolute awesome ride. I think I pulled into Kuna at like 930. That's impressive. I know a few people that have done it. It's still on my bucket list, but I haven't quite got there yet. It was I enjoyed it and doing that one, you know, I did mine through the ride one cane a day and it's so addicting and dude. And I mean, I've had numerous friends call me, dude, well, when you're doing it again, man, I want to go with you. And it does, it becomes addicting, dude. I can't wait to do another one. People, you know, they look at you like, you know, why the hell would you want to do that to yourself? And you know what, why? And it's like, you know, for one, dude, my bike is comfortable to ride. I got a great seat. You know, I mean, I wasn't even sore at the end of the day. I did 500 miles the next day. But it's it's just fun. I mean, you put yourself, basically, you know, you take the, the group of motorcyclists and you could think of yourself as you become a very small mm-hmm. percentage of guys that want to do it. You know, you're essentially part of a, I don't know the right way to put it, but an elite group of guys that just want to push themselves a little bit. Hey, can I do this? And it was a lot of fun. You know, I got some cool, you know, some cool memories. And plus, you know, Ram or Randall Ramble from Ride One K in a Day sends you a certificate. You get patches, you know, a bunch of stickers, and little, you know, cards that they tell people, you know, put your miles where your mouth is and and ride. And you know, there's some other little goodies he sends you, and it's it's freaking cool. Yeah, I, I have to it. do that. In the I can't spring. wait to do it again. That, it's something that I've always, you know. I, I think a challenge like that sends a statement and <laughs> there's something to be said for that. It's not to say that that don't, you know, it's like anything, right? You ride your ride, but uh, yeah, that, that would be nice to have on my resume for sure. Well, it's like, a, I don't know, must've been 10, 12 years ago. I was talking, I mean, ride one can a day has only been out now, I think eight years. And so mm-hmm. there's the other society, the iron butt association and, I wanted to do one a long time ago and I was talking to my dad about it. He's like, why the hell would you want to do that? That is just stupid and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, giving me kind of an earful. And it was like a month or two later, I was up at his house. We're doing some stuff in his garage. He goes, oh, hey, did you see my plaque over there on the wall? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Turn around and there's his Iron Man <laughs> Association plaque. Him and his buddies went and did it. I'm like, dude, that is freaking dirty, dad. You give me, you know, you ridicule me, pitch me shit, and then you turn around and go do one before I did. That's, That's really funny. dirty. Yeah, you know, he's done his. I, I did mine, and I'll do it again. It is a lot of fun. It's a cool a cool little society to be part of. And you, it's like once you do one, then, you know, it's like you follow the page, and you start seeing all these other guys are doing it, and, you know, you're commenting, and you start building more friendship with other guys. And, you know, before you know it, like we got some plans. There's going to be a pretty sweet one come this summer or not this summer, but late spring into summer, we're going to do a, a pretty sweet ride one cane a day with a, a good group of guys. And that's got awesome. some cool stuff in the works, put it that way. 
it's neat. I, I think that any of those long rides and touring are, are just, it gets addictive. You're absolutely right. It's just, there's just something so enjoyable from being so disconnected for the day. Well, that's like mine. I, I did mine through an area that I've always wanted to see that I hadn't been to. So going probably at least 50% of it was in an area that I'd never been to that I'd heard so much about, you know, essentially Lolo pass. I mean, my stepdad's ridden over it many times. My dad had been there and, you know, I got a lot of friends that have ridden that area. So dude, it's just amazing. So when I had the chance, it's like, you know what? I'm, I was looking at, I knew where I was ending at Kuna and I know where I'm starting essentially where I live. So it's like, where can I go? You know, where's my A, B, C, D, E, F, G to get down to Z. And I figured, shoot, you know what? It's like, I've never been that far into Montana for some crazy reason. I don't know why. And it's like, Hey, this is going to be a perfect time. I'm heading this way. I'm going, I'm going to come here and, you know, plan my route through places that I'd never seen before, which in a way seems kind of crazy when you're just essentially flying through it, but I still got to see it and I will go back. And I did happen to stumble onto a Harley shop and in Missoula that it was so freaking yeah. hot. It's like, dude, here's a perfect place to take a break. And it's like, I don't know if I'll ever be here. So I got to get a shirt and a chip and went into Grizzly Harley Davidson and Missoula it was like 110 degrees outside. And I was ready for some AC and check the place out and kept going, but it was a lot of fun, you know, to, to go to those off beaten places and paths and, you know, taking all those backside highways. And I just, think too, when you're, when you're crushing miles like that, it's, it seems easier when you don't know where you're going, when everything around the corner is different versus, you know, I could ride the PA highway to Pittsburgh and come back and that's, you know, seven, 800 miles, but it's nice when you're riding somewhere that you haven't seen, you know, what's around the bend at least keeps you interested. Cause then let's be, let's be honest. After a while, you kind of, you kind of struggle for, uh, it, it gets a little boring at times. Yeah. When you're the same place all the time, the same roads and yeah, you venture out of your comfort zone and hit some of those other areas. And, and it's hard too, because I think the, with the, enjoy the, land. the more you ride, the, the, the more you want that, the more you want to go further and then further becomes work. <laughs> if, you know, uh, so we that's a very know, we, good point. we went to lunch and we came back from Pittsburgh. That was cool. We went to Niagara Falls. We went to the Catskills, the Adirondacks, and you're constantly looking for that next that next where to. You know, in the spring we're going to go to Louisville, Kentucky. Like we're trying to, you know, spread out. But I find the more that you ride, it's. I mean, there's certainly rides around here that I enjoy, but there's always that looking for that next that next adventure and that. That's the uh, that's the sickness. <laughs> You're constantly looking for like, where can I go next? You know, what can I see next? And I think the biggest thing, like, once I was going from, you know, I knew from Missoula down to close to Boise is kind of a desolate, not overpopulated area. So I think you know that that part of my planning, it I took a while to making sure, you know, looking up little towns, doing my research, and. That from Missoula to there, I really check my mileage wise on Google Maps. And okay, I can make it here. I got to get gas and like the town of McCall because I ain't going to make it to the next one. And, you know, I think that stretch I had to do a little bit of homework, just making sure that I had, you know, my fuel stops planned right. So, uh, oh, absolutely. And I think somewhere. too, it's important, you know, to find things you can stop and see along the way. So I think the, you sort of have that destination, but yeah. yeah, especially when we rode route six, the, the, uh, the fear of running out of gases, it's real. <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly wasn't as bad this time, but when I've done it, like in a smaller displacement bike, it, you really have to be careful. You know, you don't, you don't realize how vulnerable you are until you run out of gas. Yeah. Cause the stretch from, from Missoula to, you know, I think I stopped in this one little tiny town that literally had one gas pump called uh, Kuskia. It's like I knew I would be pushing my mileage to make it to Grangeville. I mean, I'd be on fumes. And, yeah, there's a few places, you know. It really comes down to it. You got to, you know, put in that little bit of extra just to make sure that you're going to get to where you got to yeah, go. Yeah, I try and I try it's all part of the adventure. point that when I'm riding two up to fuel halfway, you know, through the gas tank, uh, through the tank, fuel back up. But 
it, you know, it never happens. We almost ran out of gas the one day in the Pine Barrens. And I'm like, we're just going to be walking forever. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't even know if we have cell service out here. Um, that's awesome. Though. But that's, you know, that's the story of the road, right? Those are the stories that you kind of, you cling to when you, when you need that positive sort of thought for, you know, what's coming the next day. I mean, there's such great stories. Yeah. Everybody has those stories about, you know, riding through a storm or riding through, you know, when it was bitter cold and they forgot their gear or. or yeah, like I've known numerous people that have went to Sturgis and you get in those hailstorms yeah. where people are, everybody's packing under the covering at a gas station or they're underneath an I mean, you haven't, you haven't lived waiting on the hail. experience where you have to pull off, you know, and you're under the overpass and, you know, you're, you're just trying to stay dry. Or yeah, or riding sixty plus miles an hour. Yeah, and there's no if there's nowhere to get cover. I mean, face. you just have to go through it. It's it's yeah. no joke. Persevere on, and and then hours later, yeah. laugh about it. We uh, hey, the day what, new story. after we bought our ring gear, we went out riding, and I assumed that my wife put it in the tour pack. She assumed I put it in the tour pack. Didn't have it, and um, I mean, oh, we were shoot. just soaked to the bone, and we're on the side of the road, like crying, laughing so hard because it's just you know it's one of those moments, and I think that that's that those are the great moments that make riding so much fun. Or those you know those stories of you know just the ridiculousness, and you know after the fact, it's obviously a lot funnier. Well, you know, and that happened for me when I went on the toy run here a couple of weeks ago. Weatherman says there was rain nowhere in the forecast. You know, it was mid 40s so i put on a heavy pair of work jeans that i have they're actually flannel lined it's like i ain't gonna need the chaps or anything else it's not gonna be bad i get literally a mile and a half from my house and it starts to sprinkle i made it probably 10 miles from my house and it starts absolutely downpouring and then comes the hail like geez you gotta be kidding i mean we finally get out to where we're you know the toy toys for toss run was taken off from the casino and Oh, I'm just freaking so we uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's I can't imagine hail. I've never done that. I've done really heavy rain, but I've never done hail. That sounds scary. I've done it once. Well, actually I've been in it twice now. One time with a full face helmet, and this time I and just a half face, oh. you literally got your forearm up in front of your face. But man, with a full face, it was so loud on the helmet. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, but the the it's quite um, the experience. I like wearing sure. the half helmet, especially when it's really hot. But um, yeah, you you do you do definitely you forget how much jeopardy you're putting yourself into with a half helmet some days. This is true. Even like going over, well, it's like some mountain passes. I went over some in Idaho where they were doing some work, and it's like a sandy, lightweight. You know, sand gravel basically on the road. Yeah. God, I felt like my face was yeah, getting you sand pelted in the rain. Or I mean, I, I took a yellow jacket to the side of the face with a full faced helmet on, with just the visor cracked, and I had like the big bobber sunglasses on, and it sucker still managed to find skin and whack me. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's that little piece of skin you'll still get hit. Oh, I had one do that. It was it was a half helmet, but he went right underneath the. Uh, the strap oh. on my ears and stung me like right in front of my earlobe. I ended up having to pull over on the side of the road because the throbbing we were in my riding was so bad. It was and it's very rare that my wife rides without a jacket. And she got whacked and stung by a yellow jacket at probably like 50, 60 miles an hour. And I <laughs> it's funny after the fact, but she's like, I never knew the bike could slow down that fast <laughs> because she was like trying to hop off the bike and luckily <laughs> there were a lot of riders out that day. They pretty much just people that we had no idea who they were just came up, knew what was going on and blocked the road for her. So she could at least, you know, she fell off the bike. At least she wasn't falling into traffic. And uh, yeah, you those are the stories of the road, man. They're, they're, whew. it's, it's no joke. Oh yeah. No, the, I, the great stories, and I think that that's the thing that kind of bonds us all together is we all have those stories. And it's, it's, and you don't, again, it gets back to branding and yeah, things, those right? are the... you could, you could be riding a Vespa scooter. You could be riding a full blown touring bike, a Goldwing, whatever. It's still the same experience. Absolutely. And, and you know, and it's, like I said, they're all great stories, whether, you know, you're sitting around a, you know, a table at a restaurant or a lounge or guys are camping, everybody's sitting around a campfire having a beer. It's, it's the stories of the road and the adventures. And it's fun to, 
to keep them going. And that's all, you know, part of the whole point around that's this podcast awesome. And too, I think it's, the, to it's sometimes the failure stories that are the best, right? You know, as long as it doesn't come out with a, you know, somebody getting hurt, but we, uh, we were traveling and we stopped at this town that I remembered stopping in years back and it being nice. And, you roll in at eight o'clock at night to find out the whole town shut down. So, you know, we're starving. We can't find food. <laughs> we found it, you know, we finally found a place to stay. Um, but yeah, you know, those, those are the things that, that just make the experience that much greater. And you don't get those experiences in a car. True. I mean, you don't think it's anything a whole different situation in a car and going anywhere. You know, most people, those same people, even if they ride probably would have a little bit more of a, a concern like people were like oh, i don't understand you went away for 13 days on a motorcycle how's that even possible I'm like well you know you can do laundry on the road <laughs> you know if you if you plan it out right and you plan your days it's not really that hard it's just you need to be more committed than loading up your uh you know your full-size minivan with eighteen thousand pairs of clothes and your cooler and, and you miss and out you miss out on lot. everything you, you don't yeah. have that experience in the car you know, the, the, everything just looks different. The smells and the, and the just the the feel of the air is just so much different. Isn't that the amazing? Like the smell and then true. I always was fascinated when I first started riding here. Well, when I lived in Pennsylvania, you'd get a lot of elevational changes, and I'm not talking like mountains. I'm just talking maybe a couple hundred feet. But I always thought that that was really cool how you'd feel the air change. You know, or you get up by the river and you can you can smell the air and the air feels different. Oh, there's some of those. It's like, I mean, we have areas around. I mean, Grant, I live at the base of a mountain range, but there I can be going down the highway and you go in a small little canyon. It might only be, you know, a, a 50 to 100 foot elevation change. But it's like you get down there closer to like a little creek and the temperature can drop like 10 degrees. It's just that little tiny moment. Then you come back up. The other side and you're back to the warmth and it is a huge you know temperature changes and yeah like especially you said, like the different the spring and, and that's the thing that, that i always like the smell when it's going to rain you always have that smell of rain in the air or like here when we get down towards the shore when you get through the pine barrens you yep. can start smelling the sea air you know you don't get that in a car i mean you can get it with the windows down but it's not the same we went to or through some of the the farmlands and whatnot you know different Oh, here we have, there's some big, well, not local to Port Andes, a little ways away. There's like massive tulip farms or you get by some of these other agricultural yeah. areas and you can smell the Or even like the food the, places, you know, when you go to these small, the like smaller town Americas and you come up and, you know, you can smell the food around you. And it's just, it's, it's a very, um, the experience is very unique. And, and it's something that I, I, I think that when people that don't ride, they don't quite understand that you're you're connected to the environment, even just the way the sun feels on your face. You know, in this late days when you're chasing sunset, oh my God, they're the best. But then too, you yeah. know, you run into the thing Absolutely of, true. if you do ride the way we ride, you know, having one helmet, you know, you've got one, two, three, four, you know, you've got different jackets, you've got different gloves, you know, you've, you've got so much gear and, and that's, that's kind of why I focused a lot on the gearing reviews is that I think that people don't realize that how much gear makes the, the experience better. If you do it right, you know, you can, you, you, you can probably be safe in a, in a cheap helmet, but you're never going to have the comfort in a, you know, a premium helmet or jackets, boots, you know, you name it. Well, and, and I think there's cer certain pieces of helm or not just helmets, but certain pieces of gear, where spending a little bit more money. It, it's important. amazing that people don't realize the difference between, I explained this to my wife when she first started riding. I think she started out with a speed and straight helmet uh, with me and that helmet's fine for, you know, spending some time on the bike, but you, you step into a showy or you step into a Schubert or, or a premium helmet you know, those little things that annoy you get really big at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's kind of like boots, right? They always tell you, or, or shoes, you should never cheap out on a pair of shoes or tires because it, it's just that thing that at the end of the day, it, it really does make the difference. You know, the difference, it's like with the heated gear, right? It adds to your experience. It adds to you being able to ride. And, 
it's it's money well spent. You know, there there's just some really good brands of, of gear out there that really hold up and make a difference. And I find it funny that everybody that starts to ride, you know, you have a five thousand dollar budget. Everyone spends, you know, four nine 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 on the bike, and never thought about buying gear. And um, you know, it's just true. It's it's what makes the experience better. It's, it's like you said with the Rick Rack. You know, could you get away without a Rick Rack and just strap on a, a duffel bag with some bungee cords? Yeah, you could. You're not going to have the same experience, though. You know, it's not going to it's not going to allow you to not have to worry about getting your gear wet, and it's. I think when you invest that money into riding, the experience just becomes that much better. And, you know, and as people get into it, you, you know, you, you start at one point and then you can work your way up into the other stuff. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere, but there is that, I think the wish list of things we wish we could have. And there's a wish list of stuff that could be, Yes, fairly important yes. that maybe you gotta prioritize depending on. I mean, on everybody your has situation a situation. There's or, an absolute need for that, but it's. I do. I do find it interesting, at least in the touring side of things, is that it's the little things in a product that make the biggest difference at the end of the day versus, you know, the color or the design. Yeah, so, I'm running you well, up. Shoot, man! Sorry. Almost this is great. At a freaking hour and a half. Hey, no problem, man. It's it's been fun, and you know, I think I found you know absolutely. so many guys that it's like there's so much more to talk about that I think absolutely it just I'm leaves the door open for starting, for a part two down um, the road. an interview series for YouTube. So I'd love to have you on. That would be great. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed our other conversations. Hey. It's just it's nice to talk to people that have a true passion for riding. It's great. Well, that you know, and it, it's. It's one thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, we did for a while, message back and forth on, on Instagram. And then you get that phone conversation. You talk a few times, we do this and it goes from, you know, Hey, you know, you message a guy and it makes that friendship just a little bit more personal. And it's awesome. You know, I've, it's really been neat to, you know, speak with yourself and other guys and, and build that friendship Absolutely. And, and just keep going with it. It's really freaking cool. You know, I've got to meet a lot of people and, you know, I'm honored to you know, guys like yourself that Same. are willing to and, take you know, time out of your time to say you want to dabble on YouTube, you've got a resource. Get me on the phone. You know, we've got Zoom. We can we can get you rolling. And I think that that's, you know, that's that's what we need to be doing, right? We need to be supporting each awesome, other, especially hey. in this this uh, <laughs> in these times, right? We we're, we're all brothers and, and sisters, and I think that that's great. So yeah, let's get you on YouTube, man. Let's get that let's get that first video out. But sure. Yeah, I would, I would. I would love to help in any way I could. Definitely need to do it soon. So, awesome. Hey, thanks, Brian. Hey, everybody, you guys can go to Bry underscore the underscore biker at Brian Ford, and he's got links to his YouTube page. Check out some of his content, and also all you guys are wanting to go get some of that crashing gear. You head on head on over to crashingclothing dot com. You can pick out your merch that you want, and at checkout, if you enter crash one, you're gonna save yourself some money. I don't share this promo code on Instagram, Facebook, or anywhere else. It's just something for guys that listen to the podcast. So a little way to me saying thank you. And I want to share that get along that, uh, and help you guys save a little bit of money at the same time. <laughs> yep. That's Absolutely. right. And that PMA, man, positive mental attitude. You got to check into that. Absolutely. Right on, man. Hey, thank well, thanks so a lot, Brian. Really enjoy this. And thanks for coming on, man.